All right, we're going to have a look together then at this, I think, amazing story. We've looked at it a couple of times in the past. I want us to look at it again this morning. It's one of those stories that I keep coming back to. My Christian walk, one that is just so rich and so full. Um, If you've got your Bibles, it's Luke uh, chapter 5, and it's the first 11 verses. If we can bring the... uh, Screen up moments of transformation, summer Sundays. Over the next three weeks, we're just going to look at three moments of transformation in Peter's life. Peter, the fisherman, we follow Jesus. And the first one we're going to look at is this morning, Peter's call. Because there are moments in our lives, all of us, where we realise things change. Significant change moments Moments that leave us different and set our lives, if you like, on a different course, a different bearing. Some of them we can expect, and culturally we expect them, like the moment you first hold your child, a baby, or you realise actually you love your partner, who you then say, I do to, and they become your husband or wife. Or the moment you finally complete that course, whatever it might be, or you make that move to wherever that might be, or you take that job, whatever that might be. But some of these moments we can't predict, and we don't expect to catch us out on an ordinary day. Something happens that changes us forever. Perhaps the greatest moments have changed for any of us, and I want to say this clearly this morning. Perhaps the greatest moment of change for any of us, for any human being, is when an ordinary person like you or me hear the call of the eternal God on our lives and we respond by saying yes. That's perhaps the biggest moment of transformation. There are no greater moments for people like you and me really than these. The incredible thing is moments like this happen every single day to ordinary people all over the world where what started as an ordinary day is suddenly transformed through a divine encounter. And I just want to suggest that perhaps this morning, ordinary as it is, might be one of those for some of you. Because it was an ordinary day for Peter. I'm going to ask you lots of questions this morning. It's more of a reflection. We're going to look at this amazing story. It was an ordinary day with ordinary demands. And it's about Peter. This story, this snippet in scripture, is about this fisherman who is busy. He's alongside the lake, he's on the shore with his friends, and he's working he actually has some pretty urgent stuff he needs to get on with. He's got to sort and mend one of the most precious things he owns, which is his nets. He needs to clean them out, mend them up, get them safely stored away, ready to try again tomorrow, because, you see, he's been out fishing all night, and it's been a total failure. It's important we realise this is no small thing for Peter. Peter needs to catch fish. Not just for fun, not just for a hobby. This isn't 50 pounds and I'll take your mackerel fishing for two hours, five miles out of Dover. It's not one of those. I did that once. Never again. Whole time chundering over the side. (laughs) 
and the captain just went, oh, man bait, that'll help. <laughs> I don't want to catch the mackerel that's got my... Yeah, anyway, let's not go there. Um, um, this isn't one of those. This was a necessity lifeline for him and for his hired men, for his friends around. If they were going to put food on the table, then they had to go out night after night and battle the waters and the nets and try and catch fish. Yet last night, try as they might, all night long, they caught absolutely nothing at all. It's no fairy tale, this is no fable, this is no metaphor, this is a real account of a real person like you and I, who's generally trying to make ends meet and is struggling. And he'll be stressed, and he'll be frustrated, and I imagine he'll be so tired, he'll probably feel responsible for the failure, going round and around in his head, It's probably, could I have done something different? Did we put the nuts down in the wrong place? Did we disturb the fish? What's happened? Where have they gone? What are they up to? How can I catch them tomorrow night? But for now, he just wants to finish up and get back home. A few of us here may be fishermen. I don't think anyone here is a fisherman or fisherwoman. But all of us, I think, can probably identify with those feelings of everyday life and the stress of work in everyday life. Frustration, disappointment, stress. This is no special day for Peter. This is a mind-numbingly ordinary day of frustration and struggle. Peter was expecting nothing. All he wanted to do was get finished, go home and sleep. And yet, this was the very day that God would call Peter, and everything would change. I want to ask you the first of a few questions I'm going to ask. Does today feel like an ordinary day to you? Perhaps you're not expecting to hear the call of God this morning. But then again, so often in the midst of the ordinary comes the unexpected encounter and the voice that beckons us come and follow. That word, that picture, someone had in the prayer room of your diaries. I know what today is planned out. I know what I'm expecting. I'll go to church and then, you know, have my lunch and maybe a barbecue. I wonder, does God want to speak to you this morning in a way you hadn't planned in and you hadn't expected? Now, Peter was busy, and to be fair, he was busy with important things. Peter and his men, they went on their own that day by the shore. If you looked further along the beach, you'll have noticed a crowd started to grow and form, and they were kind of hovering around a person, pressing in to try and get near. That person was Jesus, the traveling preacher, the miracle worker who taught about God and his kingdom, who'd begun to gather quite a following. The rumors had begun to abound about this man. These were people who were eager and hungry, hungry for encounter, hungry for truth, hungry for change, hungry for God. Notably, Peter's not with them. That's not the kind of guy he is. Peter was too busy. And as he looked over the crowd, and looked over to the crowd, I wonder if he shook his head in mild disgust. 
He didn't have the luxury of taking time to listen to teachers or think about religious things or pursue Jesus or pursue God. He just wanted to keep his head down because he had a living to make and fish to catch. And right now, he needed to wash his nets. It was important. My dad and I caught one of those Made in Britain programs that are always on, you know, when you sit there and find yourself wasting 20 minutes of your life working out how they make toilet roll. You're like, oh, that's really interesting. Really glad I know that now. I'll apply that tomorrow. Um, But it was one of those, and we were watching how they make horse saddles. And both of us, like little boys, were glued to the TV, like, this is amazing. Look how they make horse saddles. And what's that, saddlery? There you go. Saddlery, we'll call it. Um, technical term. Uh, and there was a man there who had been doing it for 40 years. And he was phenomenal at it with the leather and the stretching. And, and he used the same tools for those 40 years. And he said, 40 years ago, I bought these tools. And he had his own bag. And he got his own pincers and his own old-fashioned thing that did something that crimped something amazing. And he said, I bought them secondhand. He said, these tools, you know, I mean, how old were they? Maybe 100 years old? He said, these are my tools. They're the tools of my trade. So important to him. Dad just quietly pointed out, I doubt he lends them out to anyone. He's right. You're not going to lend them out, are you? Oh, can I just borrow? Absolutely not. You can put that down. Fishing was Peter's livelihood. And other than his boat, his nets were perhaps the most important thing he owned. They were the tools of his trade. They were the source of his income. And yet in this moment, when we look at this story, we realise they were actually the things that were causing Peter to duck out when others were pressing in. Others were pressing into Jesus. He was looking at his nets. Sometimes in our lives, it's the things that are most important to us. And they are important. But sometimes, it's those things that can actually keep us from something even more important. They can keep us from what God is doing and what he wants to do in our lives. That's an interesting one. Another question for you. What things do you consider most precious to you in this life? What are they? Have you ever asked yourself, have I allowed them to keep me from God? Perhaps there was something else keeping Peter from Jesus that day. Maybe it was that he was simply uninterested or unbothered. I don't know. Maybe he simply wasn't into that sort of stuff. I'm not that sort of person, a fisherman, a bloke like me, doesn't get all involved with religious matters. Or perhaps, underneath it all, could it be that he was afraid? Was it really arrogance that kept him when everyone else was pressing into this extraordinary teacher and he couldn't be bothered? Was it really business that kept him? Or was it insecurity that kept him washing those nets when Jesus was just a short walk away? Could he really not have put them down just for a minute? Whilst others were pressing in, Peter was opting out. Whilst others were hungry, Peter was hiding. What about you? Question. 
Are you hungry for an encounter with Jesus? Are you hungry for more of Jesus? I'll tell you I am. But are you hiding? Maybe a bit of both. Hungry and hiding. Is insecurity or worry keeping you busy with important things whilst you miss out on something far more important? Let's continue on reflecting on this story. So, whilst Peter may have been doing his best to avoid Jesus and keep his eyes firmly on his nets, it's a bit like if I was to ask for a volunteer now, you'd suddenly be very interested in the Bible that's just in front of you, you know? It's one of those, mmm, uh, uh, mm, hang on, I'm just, mm, yeah, you know? Watch those nets, Peter. It turns out that Jesus actually had his eyes on him. God was watching this ordinary fisherman. He knew just how to get his attention. Jesus sees Peter's empty boats and he decides to get in. I love this. It's a really cheeky move of Jesus, actually. The more I've reflected on it, my summary is, it's a really cheeky move. Because we can assume Jesus didn't ask permission because they would have had their nets out of the boats to clean them and to mend them and to uh, sort them out. So the boats were unattended So there was no one there to ask permission of. Jesus just jumps on in. This looks perfect. This is what I'll use so I can be heard by all the people. Instead of going all the way over to Jesus, in this lovely move, Jesus is inviting Peter to come to him. It's always a two-way movement, you know, with God. He draws near. You and I need to draw near to him. Well, doesn't force anybody, but he seeks you out. And however reluctant he is, when Peter sees Jesus in his boat, guessing he's having none of it, he heads straight over. I wonder how he felt. Was his, did his heart sink? Oh no, just what I need. He's gone and got into my boat. Oh, just want to wash them up and get them in and go home. That's all. And I'm really tired as well. I'm really cranky. Can you imagine it? Was he nervous? Oh man, I'm going to have to go near this religious guy now. Probably more than a little irritated. One thing's for sure, he didn't put his nets down for a moment. His most important possession being dragged back to the boat with him. Lads, come on, pick the, going back to the boat. Let's go and sort this out. When he gets there, Jesus simply asks him, ah, you can imagine it, good to see you, could you just push your boat out a little bit further out for me so that, you know, everyone can see me? Peter's polite, and he does, whether he wanted to or not, I can't tell you. So, picture it, now Jesus is sitting in this boat, teaching the crowd, and there in the very centre is this reluctant and busy fisherman who had absolutely no time to listen to Jesus, but is no longer able to hide behind his nets. Peter now finds himself with front row VIP tickets listening to every word Jesus has to say. It's an extraordinary stitch-up job, isn't it? Isn't it brilliant? God's really good at stitch-up jobs. I remember you and used to call him Jehovah Sneaky. (laughs) He just sneaks in and just, 
You know, he can be playful sometimes, God, in the way he gets our attention. I mean, it's comical. Can you imagine? But how did I end up here? Right here, listening to all of this. You know, sometimes it's us that are desperately seeking God. I know people that have cried out to him, sought him, gone to a church service looking for him, and he's answered them with a word or a person bringing the encouragement they need. Other times you're just minding your own business, keeping your head down, and God surprises us when we least expect it. A conversation you could never have expected, a significant meeting out of the blue, a song on the radio that speaks to your soul and confirms something you've been thinking about or what you sense God's been saying, a word from someone that hits right to your heart, a service that feels, have you ever had this, like every part was written just for you? Love it when that happens. Like, oh, and the next song. Oh, yeah. And the sermon. Oh, yeah. A Bible verse that comes up again and again and again. And yet another person says, I just got that verse for you. Sometimes God moves heaven and earth just to get our attention. Question. God been trying to get your attention recently. Is he trying to get your attention this morning? I wonder what Peter made of Jesus' teaching. Perhaps it was the first time he'd ever sat through a sermon and listened to the things of God. Perhaps it all went over his head or he found it hard to understand or perhaps he just zoned out and thought about how bad the night of fishing was and what he'd do different tomorrow. I wonder, what are you thinking of right now? What's flitting through your mind? However, once Jesus had finished teaching, he turned to a topic far more familiar to Peter that certainly got his attention. Fishing. Push out into deep water, Jesus told him. Let your nets down to catch the fish, Jesus said. I don't know what Peter felt like inside when he heard this, but my guess is total indignance and disbelief at the seeming naivety of this religious teacher who was still frustratingly sat in his boat. Don't forget that. He's still here. And now we've got to, we just want to go home. Can imagine it. You're joking me, aren't you? Did you just hear what he said, chaps? What enough does he know about it? I know. I, I, I know. But he's important, you know? He's like the people. Should we just, okay, okay, we'll do it. Peter is at least polite. Realizes Jesus is pretty important to the people around, and so. Perhaps through gritted teeth, he replies, Yes, Master, um, just so you know, we've been working hard all night. All night. We've not just arrived, you know. We haven't caught anything. Not even a little one. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. If things up to this point hadn't been different enough from the day that he had planned in his so-called diary, now things would really begin to change for Peter. Things would become really unexpected because this was the moment he would discover that the person who was talking to him was no mere religious teacher. This was no ordinary day. As their nets began to heave and break and strain under the sheer weight of the number of fish that were now pulsating and flipping and jumping and struggling 
As in the frenzy, Peter now calls to his friends to get the other boat and to join them because their boat's nearly sinking and as grown men's muscles are heaving and straining to try and pull in this unbelievable mass of fish, the greatest catch any of them have ever seen in their entire lives. And in this moment, Peter realises this encounter is not with a mere human, but this encounter is with the divine. In this moment, he encounters the one who doesn't just know about fishing, but who created all the fish in the sea. Oh, and he created the sea itself. Who not only knows how to sail on waters, but at whose word the waters listen and do as he says. In this moment, he stood before the one who is the image of the invisible God. The one who created all things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, the one who is before all things and in him all things hold together. Here before him was the one before whom one day every knee will bow. And right there, right then, in a little boat on a lake out from the shore, the mortal encounters the immortal. The finite encounters the eternal. A fisherman encounters the divine. Peter encounters Jesus. And in a moment, he will hear his call to come and follow. Question for you. Do you remember a day when the reality of God truly dawned on you? Can you remember how you felt? Have you lost any of that awe and wonder? Quickly then, as we finish this part and move to our next bit of the service, Peter, in that moment, folks, was utterly transformed. As he realises who Jesus really is. It's as if all of his own pretense, all of his cover, all of his defence mechanisms, every layer of pride and arrogance just fall away. All his years of experience, all his nights on the sea, all his banter, all his prowess, it all counts for nothing in his presence. And left before Jesus is this raw, broken human being kneeling before the perfect, holy, divine. Peter can do nothing other than fall at his feet and beg him, Get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And the truth is, folks, Peter was right in his response. He got absolutely spot on one thing. Jesus really is the Lord. He's not just a friendly, lovely, cuddly man. He's not just an interesting teacher or historical figure. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And in that moment, Peter realised it. And he got something else right as well. He wasn't worthy. He wasn't worthy to be in the presence of Jesus. He just knew. If Jesus knew his heart and the darkness that was in that, if Jesus knew his character flaws and his weaknesses, Jesus knew how he'd get angry sometimes or grumpy sometimes, how he'd cheat sometimes or lie sometimes. If Jesus only knew, he would tell him to get away. And so Peter does it. You can hear the fear 
in his voice, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Yet the amazing and beautiful thing about God and about his call to any one of us is that he already knows every bit of it. And yet he still calls us. He isn't surprised by our failings, folks. He doesn't go, you know, we don't say to him, oh, by the way, I'm, you know, I really stuffed up on that in the past. Did you? Oh, my goodness. If I'd known that, I wouldn't be talking to you. Jesus isn't like that. He knows all of it. And Jesus says to Peter, do not be afraid. I understand, do not be afraid. And I used to think, isn't it lovely that Jesus starts with that word? Isn't that comforting? And then more I reflected on it, I realized how necessary it is that Jesus starts with that word. Because if he didn't, none of us would follow. Do not be afraid. I know you. I know all of it. And I still call you. I know it and I've seen it and I still see it and I still call you. The one who stood before Peter in this moment is the one who knows him best, even better than Peter knew himself. He knows every sin, every mess, every insecurity, all his brokenness, and he still calls. He still says, my grace is sufficient, my love is real, my plans for you are good. Come and follow. Come and fish for men now. Come and be part of my kingdom breaking in. Come and learn from me. Come and follow my voice. Come and join me on the adventure I have planned for you. He gives the same call to every single one of us this morning. Whether we've heard it for the first time this morning, or we've heard it a hundred times. The call is the same. Come and follow. I wonder, do you ever feel inadequate to be a follower of Jesus? Do you really understand that he knows everything? Everything you try to hide, everything you try to mask, he knows it all, all of it. And he still calls you. Don't be afraid. Come. Finish with this. If I could just ask the band to go back ready as we're going to sing in a moment. But I just want to ask, was Peter really qualified for the journey ahead? Jesus calls this Peter, and yes, I know he knows everything, but the truth is Peter was rough and uninterested and uneducated and sinful and broken. He was a fisherman. Truth is, humanly speaking, he is utterly unqualified to follow the call of God. But there was one thing that did qualify Peter. Hear this, when they came to land with their boats back on the shore, with the greatest catch of their lives, just ready to be counted and processed and sold, sold and all their financial worries would be gone for that season. Instead, Peter left everything, we read, and followed Jesus. These fish, as he begun the day, would have been the very greatest thing he could ever imagine could happen to him. If someone had said, by the end of the day, you'll have more fish than you know what to do with, he'd have said, I want it. I'll do anything. But now in this moment, he gives up everything. The boats, fish, and yes, the nets. And he leaves them behind. And that's what qualified Peter 
The one thing that qualified Peter to follow Jesus that day was his obedience to the call. God's not looking for perfect people, folks. He's not looking for sorted people, respectable people, prepared people. He's looking for obedient people. People who will hear his call, surrender everything to follow him. Peter had no idea what lay ahead. How could he? It's going to be, as we'll look at next week, way out of his comfort zone. Unexpected, unpredictable. But in that moment, when he heard Jesus' voice, and he recognised him as Lord, he knew he had to leave behind the things that held him back. And he began an adventure of transformation unlike anything before. A journey of obedience. Saying yes to the call of Jesus. As we finish, I want to ask you this question. Is God calling you to something new in this season? Is he calling you perhaps even this morning? If you feel frightened or unqualified, then you're in good company. The only thing that qualifies you for what lies ahead is obedience to the word of God. Obedience to his call. Before you take a single step, can I ask you, are there nets in your life at the moment you need to lay down? God's saying it's time to lay down the old. The nets that protect, the nets that distract, the nets that provide, that comfort, exclude. Hear him say, do not be afraid. I have a better plan for you. The question is, will you be obedient and follow the call? Stand if you're able for me for a moment. We're going to respond by singing I Surrender.